Welcome to the Mommy Magic Podcast. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Dr. Nicole Klein. Thank you for getting on this podcast. Thank you so much, Mary Susan. I'm excited and honored to be here. Well, I cannot wait to have this discussion with you. You're one of my all-time favorite people. I think I've known you most of my life. Um, our families were friends. Your dad was my dentist growing up. Um, and I love your family, but you have just, you have been such an inspiration in my life. You have, um, provided a roadmap for me and my family. And we'll kind of touch on that as we get into this, um, podcast, but, um, I want to do an introduction. I'm not going to be able to do it justice because you are so fierce. Um, but I'm really excited about this topic, which ties into your expertise, um, So first and foremost, a little bit about Dr. Nicole Klein. She's a physician and a surgeon that specializes in the care of ears, nose, and throat. So an ENT physician uh, that encompasses pediatrics and adult patients with head, neck cancer, facial trauma, facial plastics, and reconstructive, I'm sorry, reconstructive surgery needs. And when you are literally not being um, a completely fierce physician. You love to water ski, snow ski, wake surf, anything outside. You love tennis uh, and you're great at everything you do. You literally are amazing at everything you do. Oh, you're too kind. I don't know if I can live up to that introduction, <laughs> but thank you. I, yes. I, and not I, only that, you have three kids. You've been married to Rob forever and um, our lives have intertwined for many, many years. Um, and I am hopeful you'll share a little bit. Today's topic is talking about the truth about hearing during COVID um, and tying into that, the importance of, of self-care with that. Um, I never thought maybe I was hearing impaired until COVID and covering the face with masks. Um, I have a daughter that was born legally deaf who is hearing impaired. Thank you to you and um, you um, really identifying that at Carolina birth. Um, she was born legally deaf. Um, we left the hospital knowing that she had failed her hearing test, I think seven times. I sent you or faxed you back in the day. I faxed you the audiograms and you drove over to my house and sat down with Zach and I and walked through what it meant to have a hearing impaired kiddo. And you provided a road um, that we have followed for the last 18 years. So I owe so much to you. Um, you are such an you are such a, an incredible physician that really has this amazing bedside manner that cares so much about the overall wellness and 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 um, I guess the overall patient care. Um, so thank you for that. I owe so much to you, and you inspire me. Uh, but talk a little bit about your your story of how you became. Um, an ENT and a surgeon and, and why, um, this purpose in your life, you you knew to pursue this purpose in your life early on. Well, it's, it's funny that you asked that because there are a couple of moments that stand out in my mind pretty clearly. And I do get off asked not infrequently by patients. Why, why did you want to become an ENT? And often it's when I'm suctioning crud out of their nose after surgery. (laughs) And and someone wonders why in the world you would want to do that. But um, when I decided to go to medical school, I knew I wanted to take care of people. I've I've always enjoyed helping people. And I've always been fascinated by 
physiology and anatomy. I had some orthopedic injuries as a high school student and college student um, and had some surgery of my own. And I think that, you know, furthered and stimulated that interest. But when I decided to go to medical school, I really thought in the beginning I was going to be a pediatrician. I had always loved babysitting. I had two younger brothers. Um, it just seemed like it would be so much fun. And, and I do very much love that part, that pediatric part of my practice. Things evolve, you get exposed to different things. But then, um, when I was a third year medical student standing in the operating room, holding retractors, like we all do, I just remember that moment when I thought these residents aren't really that good. And I could do such a better job than they're doing. And I'm absolutely fascinated by this great big open wound that I'm staring at. And then, you know, one time I was lucky enough that the staff handed me an instrument where I I got to cut a piece of the liver out and that was it. I was sold. Um, I knew I had to operate at that point. So I really still didn't know that I wanted to be an ear, nose and throat doc, but it just so happened that my intern who was in charge of me on that surgical rotation was doing her general surgery year prior to heading into ENT. So all ear, nose and throat docs do one year of general surgery, or at least that's what we did at the time. Cause it was sort of its own separate carve out, um, before doing ENT. So, and she said, she and I became really good friends and she said, you really need to think about ENT. It's a great you know, specialty for so many different reasons. And then when I thought about my anatomy courses, I knew I loved, uh, head and neck anatomy. And so I checked it out and, and there we have it. It was really pretty easy once I did that. So, I mean, that's really how I got here. Um, and I do love all of the reasons that ENT is such a fantastic specialty. I mean, we take care of all ages, young patients, adult patients, you know, aging patients. There's just such a gamut of things that you can do. You can take care of primarily outpatient um, problems. You can take care of inpatient problems, you know, patients that are very sick with serious illnesses, head and neck cancer, um, you know, ear tubes, facial trauma, facial plastics, sinus, you know, thyroid, you know, snoring, you name it, ear problems. We do a lot of ears, especially in the pediatric population. So there's, it's just such a diverse specialty, which makes it really exciting. You know, I go back to what you said, where you had me at the open wound, which is pretty, pretty amazing that like you knew staring into a gaping open wound and somebody that, wow, I am hooked. This is for me. Right. So, I mean, in, in my world as a patient, when we come see you, um, my daughter who is hearing impaired and, and depends on hearing aids and amplification is her world. I mean, that is how she is not isolated. That's how she hears. That's how she learns. We are that family that comes in and you're digging out the goop out that presses in with her, her ear molds um, and extracting wax that gets lodged down in there. Um, you know, so we're the super, super unsexy family that comes in, but you know, that you dig out this crud from her ear, but immediately she can hear through her hearing aids and amplification a hundred percent times better after you do something as simple as that, which is her world. Okay. And if, if her world's happy, my world's happy as her mom. But then on the other turn of it, when you're not digging out, like you said, crud, you're dealing with gunshot wounds to the neck. Am I yeah, right? Yes. Yes. So you really can go like 
you run the gamut. I mean, is your day, do you have a day just for gunshot wounds and a day just for earwax extraction? Like, how do you process that spectrum? Um, you know, since you literally are doing it all. Literally. Well, since, since we live in a um, relatively safe suburban area, if I'm not on call, I know that I'm probably not going to encounter a gunshot wound, which is nice because that just makes the day a little bit more predictable. Uh, right, but right. Yes. I mean, it does that, you know, what I do varies dramatically on a day by day and hour by hour basis. Um, and I think that's part of what keeps it interesting and exciting. But at, at the at the end of the day, it all boils down to it's helping people and taking care of patients. And whether you're doing, I'm doing something that's more simple and maybe more routine versus something that's, you know, much more complex or complicated. If I can help that person and improve the quality of their life, then that I have, you know, been able to fulfill my role. And it's incredibly rewarding. And I feel grateful and fortunate to be able to do that for people. Well, I mean, if all doctors, physicians, and surgeons had that motto, um, it would be an incredible healthcare system. I'm, I'm super grateful for you. Um, I was in not too long ago and had to check out my deviated septum, which I'm super excited to put on the things to do to get corrected. So um, trust you with, with all things ENT related and super grateful for your expertise, which brings us to our topic because you are, you are not only an expert in this, you're so knowledgeable, but um, I remember connecting with you when COVID first hit and our, our hearing impaired daughter went back to school and um, you had asked me how Caroline was doing with COVID uh, and I had not, mom of the year, had not stopped to process um, how the math, wearing a mask was inf- uh, impacting her mental health, uh, as a hearing impaired person. And I don't even think Caroline had processed that because like many people in COVID at the beginning of lockdown, you were home so much, you weren't dependent on wearing a mask unless you ran somewhere essential. Right. Um, and, and you weren't connecting with people. You weren't social. You weren't talking, you were getting in, you were getting out. Um, and then all of a sudden she's back in school and you had stopped and asked me, how is she doing mental health wise with being a hearing impaired person in dealing with masks? Oh gosh, Nicole, I don't know. I don't think I've ever stopped to ask Caroline that. Well, I came home and I asked her and she, not a word came out of her mouth, just a tear down her cheek. And I said, wait a second. Dr. Klein was just asking, Caroline, are you doing okay? And she shook her head. No. And she said, I'm not. I'm not catching what people are saying. I can't tell. Um, Everything's gargled and muffled. Anyway, a lot of us are feeling that way. I know that there's a large population of people who are hearing impaired and wearing the mask during COVID is challenging. And then there are those of us who I thought I had good hearing, Nicole. I'm pretty sure I don't because I can't hear what anybody's saying with a mask on. Can you kind of walk through the truth about how that, how this is tied into COVID? Oh, it's a, it's a big issue. And, you know, we noticed it right away in the office when we came back after the shutdown and started seeing patients. And, you know, where we noticed it initially was with our older population, because that group of people has a higher percentage of patients with hearing loss. Um, And, and, you know, I think 
you know, patients who are, you know, have been around for a long period of time and secure with who they are, you know, it's easy for them to say, I can't hear you very well anyway. And now with this darn mask, it's terrible. Um, And I think one of the things that's harder for kids is, you know, even though they've adapted to their hearing loss, it still sits in the back of their mind as something that they have, you know, to work around that's different from their peers. And kids also are incredibly adaptable and and many of them will just sort of adjust to whatever they have put in front of them without it occurring to them to seek a solution or ask for help or anything like that. So that leads to feelings of isolation um, and, you know, a little bit of sense of helplessness because, which is probably why she had that tear running down her face because, you know, it didn't maybe occur to her that there might be a way around it. There might be a way to make this better. I'm sure she probably just thought, well, this is just the way it is. I'm, I'm a hearing impaired person and I can't hear. Yeah. And I think it was gradual. I like for a lot of us, COVID has gradually dripped. Right. Um, and it's been a cumulative, uh, experience that, you know, we all didn't just start out like, um, struggling. And then over time, it's just kind of, you know, it's been a cumulative impact. Um, so I, I think she did try her best, but thanks to you and your expertise and being so intuitive to ask that question, it helped me to ask her, which led me to calling the school immediately (laughs) (laughs) and asking all the teachers to switch to face shields, which they did. They were super accommodating and problem, you know, I don't want to say problem solved. It wasn't just check the box like that, but it helped. It was a remedy. It was a leg up versus covering half the face. Um, And there's so much of hearing that's tied to being emotionally well, to, to being mentally healthy. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, the really interesting thing about the face shield versus the mask is the face shields actually dampen sound a little bit more than a mask does. But what you gain is those visual cues and the full facial expression and the ability to partially read lips that we all do to a certain extent, even though we may not necessarily think that we are. And so, you know, even though you lose a little bit more from the dampening standpoint, that other makes up the difference. And that, that seems to make all, you know, a huge impact on, on the kiddos, but, you know, even just physical distancing, which, you know, we're all supposed to be following that dampens sound. So, you know, you, you get a teacher that's already set a Apart from the classroom, and then they may feel compelled to set themselves apart even further. So you're doubling that sound pressure differential gradient just by them taking those extra steps back, and then you put a mask on it, and it's so challenging. So, or a mask on, it's so challenging. So the face shields definitely help from that standpoint. You know, teachers making an effort to be certain that kiddos that are hearing impaired have preferential seeing, um, you know, because that reduces that distance. Um, and then, you know, even some of the other, the technology that's built into amplification, um, some of the um, RM systems, the remote microphone, kiddos that have, you know, hearing aids where they can Bluetooth into them, the teachers can wear, um, you know, Bluetooth uh, devices that will then transmit the sound. All of those things help because then, you know, patients and kids can even 
tune some of it to dampen out background noise, different sorts of things. Um, but, but it, but it is, it is a big deal. And if you can't hear and you can't perform and you can't learn and you're someone who is used to being able to excel, then that becomes very distressing. It's, it's true. And I, I really encourage all parents, whether you have a hearing impaired kiddo or not, to at least inquire, to, to have the conversation with them. Like, how are you doing? How are you, how are you processing and coping with um, everybody at school if your kid is still in school or, or not? Um, with, with covering, you know, with, with face coverings, I think it's an important conversation. Uh, Look, I had never, I mean, obviously, you know, none of us have ever parented through COVID before. We're learning as we go. Uh, And that was a really, a a vital tool that you gave me to help parent my kiddo. I I encourage all parents to at least ask, especially even if your kids are younger. I mean, I can't imagine having, you know, first and second graders who are really just learning the fundamentals and golly, just getting through the school day is long, right? Um, So we're all adapting, but it was a great, a great life lesson. And I'm super grateful um, for that. And I want to pivot with this COVID thing just a little bit with your expertise, because, you know, everybody's on Zoom now, every, every call, um, telehealth, I mean, no matter what you're doing, you're, you have probably experienced a Zoom call. And I'm just curious, because part, a big part of your business, um, you know, is facial plastics and aesthetics. I'm curious with all the social distancing going on and people communicating via Zoom more, how have people reacted to that portion of your practice? Um, are, are do people, because I know just from my own standpoint, I get on a zoom call and I'm like, is that me? Is that my neck? Is that really what my neck looks like? Are you kidding me? Um, so I'm just wondering, are people coming in being like, what has happened? I didn't even know that I look like this until I'm on the zoom call. all day. Wow. It, it is funny. I mean, certainly with all of the zoom conversations that are occurring, people are not, I don't want to say staring at themselves, but they have their image presented in front of them um, for something other than just grooming. I mean, you know, we're used to looking at ourselves in the mirror, you know, in the mornings when we're brushing our hair, brushing our teeth, getting dressed. But then, you know, by the time that you're sitting in front of a Zoom call, you're, you're all put together, at least most of us, I think, are. You know, you've done your hair. You have clothing on that, you know, you view as, as appropriate. And so then, you know, you're left with the distraction of seeing yourself, you know, during those interactions. And, and by nature, humans are self-critical. And so for those of us that are aging, we see the tiny little wrinkles. We see the pigment changes. We see, you know, maybe where our cheeks are starting to droop or sag in a way we don't want to. Our eyelids are, are starting to sag. And so, you know, patients are really, really perceptive and noticing that and, and seeking solutions. Um, you know, the other thing that's, that's interesting and, and, you know, I mean, this, this kinds of things get published in, in our literature because people are wearing masks. There's a huge focus on eyes. And so, you know, people are focusing on their eye makeup. They're focusing on their eyelashes. They're focusing on their, their eyelids themselves. And so, you know, that's where some of their, their concern about their appearance is directed. But um, absolutely, I mean, you know, people, you would think that, you know, people might not be worried about their appearance when we've got all these other issues going on. But, you know, I think right now, this is a time when because of the isolation, because of the disruption to our schedule, and maybe the disruption to 
being able to go to the gym and work out the things that are sustaining that make us feel vital and healthy and good. Um, if we can feel good about our appearance and feel youthful and energized, then that helps with our mood and, and keep ourselves, you know, mentally healthy and well. So yes, I mean, people are absolutely coming and getting Botox. People are getting filler. People are doing resurfacing to smooth out the imperfections. People are having surgical procedures, um, you know, and people have time to heal and recover because we do have more downtime. And so, you know, just yesterday I, um, did a laser resurfacing for one of my patients. And as we were chatting about, you know, the timing, she said, well, you know, we're just not so busy at work and what I need to do, I can do from home. So I have 10 days to look crazy and I don't care because nobody needs to see me. I don't have to zoom right now. I can just do what I need to do over the computer, over the phone and I can recover. And then when I'm done, I'm going to feel great and re. I love that really is that that's nothing something I wouldn't have ever really thought of Um, I guess because it's not something that we typically talk about uh, as women but I'm just going to be honest with you right now like on zoom when my kids take pictures I mean I, I I mean they'll take a picture of me and they'll edit it I mean I have no clue what's happening it happens so fast they take my phone, they take a selfie with me, and then they edit it. And by the time it's all said and done, I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, sure. It looks fine. I mean, I, I don't care. You know what I mean? But I have no idea what they're doing with what filter. Uh, but when you get on a Zoom call and you're in natural light and it's like just all you, I have never spent so much time Googling on this side skincare, skincare products. And really what COVID has done for me is given me the permission to really take the time to, to, um, I mean, I'm almost 50. You're, are you, I'm, I'm not, are not you 50 yet. yet? You're but, almost 50. But danger, dangerously close. Okay. So we're, <laughs> we're on the sunny side of 50. Okay. Which I actually think we both lost our dads as young adults. I actually think aging is a privilege. I don't mind it one bit. I'm actually going to be older than my dad ever lived. So I see it as a privilege, but I don't see my, you know, my dry skin as a privilege or there are things that I can do to invest in myself, but I really had to give myself permission that it's not vain. It's not selfish or vain. It's actually self-care. And I wish women talked about that more. Maybe, um, maybe that's an educational, um, component, um, that I'm, I would love for you to start some type of academy to educate us women that it's not vain or selfish. It's actual self-love, self-care. Um, and you, you know, can you talk a little bit about the importance of that and, and your overall approach that in your, well, I mean, I, I don't, I agree a hundred percent. It's not vain. It's so important. And I think, you know, the way you live your life is a partially a reflection of how you feel about yourself. I mean, we all know that, you know, if we, you know, overindulged and ate too much pizza the next morning, we don't really feel like getting up and working out so much, but you know, and that's a cumulative effect. But if you can do the things, you know, you have a sunburn, you think, well, gosh, you know, I've just fried my face. What's the point of, you know, doing anything to get rid of these spots? Um, you know, it, it, it's just sort of a, a mental cycle that you can, that you can get into. But if you do the things on a regular basis that help you feel well, those also translate to the things that 
you know, help you look your best. And when you, you know, feel like your best, you act like your best. And so then it just kind of bounces back and forth. And, you know, I know that when I feel good about myself, I'm more productive. I, you know, do a better job, you know, getting my charts done. I do a better job cleaning my kitchen up after dinner. You know, I, I do all sorts of things better. Um, and that really is just becomes a reflection of how you feel. So, you know, what do I do to take care of, my skin, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty basic about it. I mean, I've been very, very careful about the sun as an adult. Um, as a kid, not, we never wore sunscreen unless we went to the beach. I mean, that was the only time you wore sunscreen and we still got burnt to death. I always remember, you know, my dad would say, oh, you're getting pretty red, time to wear a shirt. And then you had to wear a shirt for the rest of the trip, but you were already burnt to a crisp. Um, and so... Or if you were me, felt like burning was like the road to having an awesome tan. So why wouldn't I there, just burn exa- more? Exactly. Why wouldn't I do that? So, right. you know, and we never, we never wore sunscreen at home when we were just outside playing soccer or, you know, at the baseball diamond right. or at the pool or whatever. So, I mean, I think, you know, what we do now is we, we wear sunscreen. We're much, much better about it. We put it on our kids. We wear it, you know, all the time. I wear it every day, even in the winter. Now only on my face and neck in the winter, but I do. And so, you know, that's a huge component of taking care of your skin is avoiding, avoiding excess sun exposure. Um, not smoking is a huge contributor to maintaining a youthful appearance. Smoking breaks down the elastin and collagen, which are two of the building blocks of your skin that keep it taut and plump and youthful um, and bright. And so, you know, we don't smoke so much in our in our generation, but, you know, our parents' generation, they absolutely did. You know, now kids aren't smoking so much, but they're vaping. And so, you know, there's just as many harmful icky chemicals in that. And I think, you know, we already know how devastating that can be, you know, well, time will tell what that does to your skin, but I can't imagine that it's good for it. If it's that bad for your lungs, it can't be good for your skin either. So, you know, those are basic things. I mean, and then, you know, honestly, everybody, you know, likes to poo poo the importance of a healthy diet, but it's true. You are what you're, you are what you eat. And, you know, if you, if you eat a well-balanced, varied diet with, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables and lean, healthy protein and healthy fats, your skin looks better. I mean, I know mine does. I mean, I think about what my face looks like when I wake up on, Mm -hmm. you know, after a big weekend, which I almost never have those anymore of eating bad food and, you know, overindulging, you know, I, my skin looks sort of sallow and saggy and I, and it's not clear and fresh and bright. So those are the basic things, but then honestly, Uh the things that we do to take care of it, exfoliating it, using products that, you know, are antioxidant that stimulate new skin and renewal of skin. Um, even some of the, um, minimally invasive procedures, all those things stimulate regrowth of skin and they make, and they make a big difference. They really do. Uh And they're cumulative. Well, my, my viewpoint is, and look, I've tried this every which way. I mean, I've got a kid like you, I've got one, uh, you know, almost 21. I've got one 18. I got one 14, you know, put yourself, putting yourself last on the list as a mom, which I have done uh, thinking that I would get my turn. No, you have to claim it. You have to take your turn. You have to carve out things that make you healthy for the longevity of life and skincare is one of them. And it really took me a long time. It probably took me until my late forties to really understand it's not selfish. It is part of, like you said, part of 
um, the recipe. It is an ingredient to longevity and taking care of yourself. And look, ladies, we're going to spend it at Target anyway. So just buy about six things less at Target and, you know, keep that money aside for you to invest in yourself, whether that be a skincare product or, um, or, you know, a facial or, or something down the road that has been bothering you that you really want to seek, um, expertise, like what you're offering women, because it does help self-confidence. I, I can just see that. Look, we just got done talking about how, how COVID, um, you know, has impacted people's, um, you know, overall emotional health. And, and, um, I think women have been, I think we've been dealing with our own version of COVID for a really long time. I don't mean to minimize the pandemic with that, but when you're a mom, I mean, come on, the marathon of getting through parenthood, a lot of times and putting yourself last and, and not, and not um, taking care of yourself. It kind of, sometimes there are parts of my life. It's felt like my own COVID oh, without a pandemic. And I do that think that once you start focusing on some of those simple things that you can do to, to energize and rejuvenate your skin, um, it's amazing what a difference it makes. I mean, I look at myself now and I'm certain that I look younger than I did five years ago. And, and I don't think I looked, I don't think I'm I looked too, back five years ago, but I think I look younger now. Um, then yeah, I haven't you do. Done but you drastic either. Not only because you're I mean, expert. I've used really good skincare. I've done some. I've done microneedling. I've done some chemical peel. I've done a little bit of laser resurfacing. But I mean, I don't have incisions on my face. I haven't done anything like that. I haven't had to do anything that required anything more than you know a little bit of you know wound care because my skin was peeling off. <laughs> well, I. I've been trying to encourage you to do some type of educational academy for us women who need that educational component to ha- as a permission. It just gives permission. Um, so tell us how we learn more or how we find you, um, your website. How would we well, learn I'm really, more I'm, about I'm really this? excited about this. And so I wish it was all ready to go. And I could say, go to my website at such and such and such. But I am working on creating my own personal website with a um, with the media company to be able to do all of these things, not only to provide important information for my patients about, you know, surgical issues and post-operative care and questions and just more resources, you know, to back up the things that we've discussed in the office, but also then to really, you know, have the opportunity to kind of go, you know, off on little bits of tangents about these things that are, you know, fun and near and dear to me more about, um, you know, the skincare and, you know, minimally invasive procedures and, you know, procedures that require a little bit more downtime to really be able to offer, you know, people just a place to come and investigate. Um, so I am really excited about that. So that will be coming in 2021. That's, I love that. Something to look forward to. And we will definitely push out that information and share your new website because I know it's going to be um, comprehensive like you just touched on. And we need that. We need that as women. And if there's any testimony I can give, I have put... I put my family's care in your hands and you have proven time and time again to hit it out of the ballpark. Um, my, my middle daughter, who's now 18, who was born legally deaf is graduating with a, a great GPA, a uh, very high GPA. She's going to college. Anyway, you know, we, we trusted you. Our goal was for Caroline to hear, speak and listen as a legally deaf child. We, 
put hearing aids on her at six weeks old. We actually had to tape them to her head with duct tape. No, that's wrong. We call it duct tape. It was toupee tape. We had to go to this one place that sold toupees, believe it or not, in Indianapolis. And um, we used this toupee tape to put on the back of her hearing aids. But they like to joke and say that we put duct tape on the back of her. That's not <laughs> right. It was actually toupee tape. But all that being said, we started out on this journey with her um, to hear, speak, and listen as a newborn because we knew um, the things that she could do if she could do, if she could hear, if she could speak, and if she could listen. Um, and we did that um, with your roadmap from the day she was born and, and throughout, um, throughout our, our family growing and changing and evolving. You've been there every step of the way. There's nobody I trust more um, with the overall wellness of my family from a physician standpoint and a friend standpoint than you. I pretty much would do anything you told me to do. Um, so there's my testimony for what an incredible physician and surgeon and the care and the level of care that you give your patients. I am so beyond grateful. I have learned so much from you and I'm so inspired from you. I, I have to ask as we're wrapping up this podcast, what inspires you or what, who have you learned from? What lessons have you learned um, along the way? Because you have taught me endless, endless amounts of, of um, important lessons. Just curious how that well, translates oh to your life. Th and thank you for all of your, you know, overly kind comments. Um, I'm honored to have been able to help you understand what was going on in the beginning um, with Caroline. She would have been down that pathway regardless. You all would have been down that pathway regardless without me. Um, and that is the beauty of our universal newborn hearing screening. But I I'm, uh, was honored to be able to help you at least through the beginning of the understanding. I mean, I think, you know, what motivates me, what drives me, um, I mean, we're all just a product of our environment. Um, and my father was a tremendous um, motivator for me and just kind of who he was and, and what he was interested in, how he functioned. And, and as you had mentioned, you know, your father's gone, my father's gone. And so I probably think about him in that light more because he's not here, but that, you know, he played an incredible role, um, for me. And then, but my mom too, because, you know, she's the artistic person who plays the piano and draws pictures. And so much of what I do is, you know, hand to eye and that the artistry of the, the facial plastics and, um, you know, the fine motor movements that it requires to be able to operate in small technical spaces. And so, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of that just comes from, you know, some of it's genetic and some of it's environmental, but um, I don't know. I just am always trying to be a better version of myself and, utilize what was given to me by God, nature, and my family. I love that. And that's such a beautiful way of, of pulling together the tapestry of how you were raised and, and um, what a, what a beautiful way to honor both your parents and, um, you know, to even, to even tie in that, you know, being a surgeon, that that's, I mean, my, you know, that that's an art form, like what you're doing on people's faces and their necks and, 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 um, for them to trust, you know, you as a surgeon, a physician in that, in that space, um, 
And a lot of times, like you said, if it's cancer or if it's something of, of that nature, it's, it's emotional to begin with. So um, what a beautiful thing for you to honor your parents. And I know both your parents and their, um, your dad was an incredible man. Your mom's a, a wonderful, um, caring, incredible woman. So I know they're so proud of you and, and your kids and husband are too. But, um, you know, with that and, and kind of wrapping um, up your overall approach, do you have a life motto? Do you have, do you have something that you really um, rely on um, that kind of encompasses you know, your overall approach to how well, you I, there's probably live your life. two little themes. And one is, you know, every time, you know, I'm in a situation where you're supposed to reflect upon the things you're grateful for. Uh, it's always my family, my health and my education. And, and that is absolutely central to my being. And then in terms of, you know, a motto for how I live and, and, it can, I can apply them to almost every situation, no matter what's going on. It's be better, do more and forge ahead. And I, I often say both of those phrases to myself, usually in the car, in the middle of the night, (laughs) on the way somewhere on call. (laughs) Um, But really, truly, I mean, they, those are it. So I love it. Forge ahead. And that's such a great message, especially in COVID. I keep reminding my family, we should be headed in the right direction. We are headed. It doesn't feel that way because it's cumulative, right? So it stacks on top of each other and it feels heavier every day. But the truth is we're closer to it finding uh, a remedy versus being at the beginning of it. So you have to forge ahead. I love that forward motion, forge ahead. Um, Thank you for your expertise. Thank you for talking about this topic. Um, the truth about hearing during COVID, during a pandemic, and the importance of self-care. I can't think of anybody better than you to share your knowledge and your expertise. And I'm so grateful for you and jumping on the Mommy Magic podcast. Uh, We'll share with everybody how to find you via your website and wishing you and your family a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. Thank you so much, Mary Susan. This has been so much fun and such a treat. And I'm honored to have been able to share this time with you. So best wish. Super uh, great, yep, my friend. Right back at you. You All too. Right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.